I will have to say this is the only place ever where there's a, where there's a little clap of appreciation before the sermon. So thank you. Thank you very much. It's never, yeah. <laughs> so uh, when I was in upper elementary school, middle school, during my carefree days of summer, now besides swimming, I had another very favorite activity, and that was to gather with my friends or even my little sister and uh, get on our bike and uh, ride down the prairie path, which was a limestone bike jogging trail near where we lived. We biked a mile and we went to the corner of York Road and Vallette, and there was Rexall Drugstore, which I was trying to think of what that's like. It's like a Walgreens or a CVS, but tiny like a quarter of the size. Now, why do we go there? Because they had a great supply of candy. And uh, so I usually picked out candy with a lot of pieces to it, like Reese's Pieces or a uh, sweet tart roll. And uh, so let's say I got a sweet tart roll this particular day. Uh, what I would do is I would think, I'm gonna save some for later. So I'm only gonna eat one third of the sweet tarts. This makes sense. And then I'll have some for later, maybe another third, another third. You know what happened? Well, I'd eat my one third, and it tasted so good. Do you know what I did? I, I just finished it all. Okay, I, I couldn't save it all. Uh, so this is a case in which my mind had made a decision one way, but my taste buds, you know, my desire pulled me in another direction. Uh, when I talk about uh, sin with my high school students, I say, uh, friends, have you ever had a situation in your life where your mind said, do this, this is the right decision, and then all of a sudden, there was a desire that kicked in that said, do this, it's more fun. And you knew it was wrong, you knew it was bad, and your mind said, don't do it, do it the good thing. And how many times did you do the bad thing because your desire was stronger than what your mind said? I asked my students, has this ever happened to you? They all nod in agreement. And I say, good, let's have a, let's have a share time and each of you can share your, uh, your uh, life experience. Well, they stare at me and fortunately they say, I'm, I'm joking, I'm joking. Well, uh, friends, uh, victory over sinful desires. This can be a difficult thing for us humans. I mean, there are some sins we commit and ah, oh, uh, we confess, we repent, and we move on. But there are some sins rooted in sinful desire that is deep within us, and quite frankly, um, we don't care to admit it, but this sin becomes a pattern. It becomes stubborn, and we think, how am I going to overcome this? I mean, some people just try to give up and manage life with this sin. Is this God's will? No. Some people try to rationalize the sin. Well, it's not too bad. Is this right? No. So this morning, we're going to take a look at how we can have victory over these deep sinful desires that, that time and time again pull us in the sinful direction, even though our mind says, no, 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 I want to go in this direction. Uh, so with that said, we're going to turn our attention to God's Word. And uh, the scripture reading this morning is 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, and I'll read verses 9 through 12. 
Friends, hear God's word for us today. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were, a, you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of his visit visitation. The word of the Lord. I want us to uh, briefly take a look at who are we, what is the problem, and how, should, how do we view or how should we view this problem. Uh, first, who are we? The Apostle Peter, in this passage, is directly referring to Exodus chapter 19. Listen to these words from Exodus 19, and you will clearly see the parallels. From Exodus, now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all of the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So now Peter takes these words from Exodus that are applied to the, to the nation of Israel, and he directly applies them to the church, to us, to, to we. And what does he say? Church, you are chosen by God. You are a special possession, a treasured possession by God. And in addition to that, as you live for Jesus in God's kingdom, as God ruling over you, you are a holy nation. You are a part of God's kingdom. And as you live as a witness to the truth of God's kingdom, you are functioning as priests in this world. Friends, this is who you are as the church of Jesus Christ. Now, what is the problem? There's a big problem, and that is the, the sinful desires that wage war against our soul. Because of these sinful desires, then we are no, no longer reflecting the holy nation, the treasured possession that we are. Because of sinful desires that lead to sinful actions, we are not demonstrating being a royal priesthood in this world. This is a big problem. So how are we to respond to this? How are we to respond? Well, Peter uses the image of war. In essence, this is a big deal. A war is a top threat. It becomes the top priority of a nation or a people group, and it requires top resources to combat the threat. 
Likewise, we as God's people, as treasured possession, a holy nation, kingdom of priests, likewise, we are to engage top resources in our battle against sinful desires. And so the question is, what top resources are we going to use? And that's what this message is about. Let me read this again. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain, to abstain from the passions of the flesh, or in other words, to abstain from sinful desires. That's what that is. To abstain from sinful desires, which wage war against your soul. So, you know, how, how, do, how do we conquer sin? You know, in my ethics class, uh, there's one particular day I break up all the students into small groups. I say, all right, guys, this is, this is your task. I want you to come up with a master list on how to respond to temptation so you don't fall into sin. A lot. I, I want you to write a lot. Go. And uh, they work. I collect the sheets, and every time I am amazed at the comprehensiveness and the wisdom of their lists. Wow. It's really good. And it's implied that now that we have this list, you pick and choose what's going to help you to wage war against sinful desires. But then it occurred to me, and, and here is my main thought here for the day. Then it occurred to me, we should not merely pick and choose, choose from this list of wisdom. Actually, all of the points on this list can be split into three categories. And the point is, to marshal top resources to wage this war, we need to, we necessarily need to, employ all three categories. And what some people do is they just employ one category or two categories, and they don't employ all three. And... I have seen this time and time again. The victory is lacking. Uh, let me give you an example uh, from just uh, life. A non-runner decides to run the marathon. Has this happened? Oh, all the time. I mean, somebody's like, you know what? This is a goal. You know, I, I, I want to do this. Now, if a, if a non-runner, especially a non-runner, is going to run a marathon, uh, there needs, to be, there needs to be three things. Okay, one is a training plan, and you implement the training plan. Okay, and nowadays, they have very detailed training plans on, you know, how many miles you run at what days and all leading up to the marathon. So you got the training plan. Number two is diet, um, and with that, hydration. Uh, with you, you putting your body through this, you need to eat well, eat right, and you need to hydrate well. You go on long runs and, and for instance, don't drink anything, you're not going to accomplish this. And during the race, you need to be thinking the night before, the morning of, what am I going to eat? What am I going to not eat? How am I going to hydrate? Okay, so that's two. And then three, you need people. There are going to be too many times during training and even during the race where you're just, I can't do this. I, I, I want to give up. And you need people there to encourage you during the training and during the race. People at certain mile markers 
that are saying, come on, and that gives you something, right? So if a non-runner is going to be successful with the marathon, they need all three categories happening in order to be successful. And uh, in a similar way, we need all three categories. Now, uh, to be honest with you, uh, I called an audible this week. Um, I was going to give you all three categories today, but then I was working on this message. It got too long, and I was like, "Ah, I'm doing two parts to this message, meaning I hope I get invited back sometime. Now, I am going to tell you at the end what the other two categories are. That would be kind of mean. <laughs> Just as a, You will not have any victory unless you come back. No, I'm going to say all uh, three categories, uh, but I'm only going to make comments on one of them this morning. Okay? And uh, this, uh, this category um, is not going to surprise you. Um, the category is spiritual disciplines. Okay, and this is kind of the bread and butter of, of sermons. Some of you have heard this as sermon application point hundreds of times. So I'm not going to go into all the details of this, but I'm just going to make a few comments about them because it is relevant. Um, it is important when you think of spiritual dis- uh, disciplines that we have the right starting point. Uh, the wrong starting point is, is this. If I do X, then I will receive Y. So if I read this much in the Bible, pray this much, then God will reward me with this benefit in my life. If, then. Uh, The focus here is on your own effort. And so it is crucial that when we come to spiritual disciplines, our starting point is the gospel. God is holy. God loves. God creates. God saves in the Lord Jesus Christ. So that as we approach spiritual disciplines, we approach them with repentance of sin, with trust in Jesus Christ, And with a humble asking for God's strength, a humble needing and pleading for the filling of the Holy Spirit to guide us and empower us. It is within the grace of Jesus that we approach these spiritual disciplines. And so we think of uh, scripture reading and prayer. Uh, From Psalm 119, 14 to 16 In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches or millions of dollars. I delight in more than money. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Then from 1 Thessalonians 5, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Scripture reading. I just want to focus on a couple questions. How much do you view God's word as wealth? How much do you view God's word as food for your soul? As something that you feed on? Is God's word an absolute necessary and a wonderful delight 
in your life. So that if you were to compare God's message versus the world's message, you go, this is wealth, this is flourishing, this is life, this is what I need daily in my life. This is the approach God wants us to have with his word. Sometimes we do need to force ourselves, okay, I need to read the Bible. But God wants to move us to a place of this is my true wealth and delight is to meditate and fix my eyes, my thoughts on his word. And then secondly, prayer. From 1 Thessalonians, says pray without ceasing, a popular passage. Um, it is true that we should have a prayer time or prayer times each day, a specific time set aside for prayer. Because of our weakness as humans, this is good for us. But we shouldn't just leave prayer there, of course. God desires that as we go throughout our day, increasingly as we mature in the faith, we become more and more just aware of God's presence day by day. And as we are aware of God's presence, as we just live life, we will become more prayerful. Pray without ceasing. Now, in regards to specifically this point of this battle of uh, seeking to achieve victory over these sinful desires that so often call the shots in our life, here's what I want to say about prayer. If there is a particular sin that you are struggling with, God is calling you to up the game, up the prayer game. And so I want to offer to you what is the prayer challenge for your life. And the prayer challenge may be this. It may be that you devote, you, 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 you set a timer and then focus on nothing else but prayer. You devote 30 minutes. You, do, you devote an hour. You devote an hour and a half. I don't know. I don't want to put a time on it. But you devote a block of time to repent and to seek God in prayer over this issue. Uh, maybe God is calling you to give up a meal and instead of eating during that meal, you spend that 30 minutes in prayer, fasting and prayer. There are even people that go on prayer retreats as a time of getting away and just needing to focus on the Lord and seek him in the word and in prayer. How is God calling you when it comes to sinful desires to up your game with prayer? Now, the problem. Uh, one problem is busyness and distractions. You know, at our a school, every student has an iPad, and uh, I'd start to, I, I'd begin class, and there was this one girl looking on her iPad. And I was like, oh, was she watching videos? So I walked back there. She's like, I'm just finishing an email. I said, all right, sister productivity. No, no emails right now, okay? Focus, focus on class here, okay? And uh, so honestly, I say that because that would be my issue. You know, if I have some downtime, I'm like, oh, what can I get done? You know, some emails, some this, 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 you know? Now, it is true that there are other students in class. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm like, okay, remove. No, no YouTube, dude. This is wicked right now. I am the holy one. You listen to me. Because it's kind of a joke, right? Yes. Okay, so the point is, 
all of us, actually all of humanity deals with distractions when it comes to focus on God. It has just, you know, increased the distractions with the screen now. It's like, oh, productivity. Oh, entertain myself. We need to pull back from that. Focus more on God's word and prayer. Okay, without demonizing the screen, but we just need to focus more on that. Um, also, a problem is, is pride. Uh, we can trust in human solutions to our problems. Now, there are a lot of great human solutions, yes and amen. The point I want to make is where does our ultimate trust lie? And then uh, finally, uh, and this is going to kind of lead us to the next two uh, categories that I'll talk about next time. Finally, more is needed. Some people will pray and read the Bible, and then they fail with sin. And their immediate thought is, I am bad, my faith is bad, and I'm not praying with enough faith, I'm not reading the Bible enough. And like I said, we do need to read the Bible and pray more. However, we need to read the Bible we need to pray spiritual dis disciplines, and we need two more essential categories in our life. More is needed. And so I, I call this the synergy of three. The first category, spiritual disciplines. The second one is Christian community, and the third is godly wisdom. We need all three to achieve victory. Now, I'm just going to say one comment on the last two. Christian community, here is my question for you. Do you have another person or a few people that you can be honest about with your life and you will humble yourself and say, here is a sin I am struggling with. Abs absolutely necessary that we do this. We need Christian community. And third, what are hard decisions that you know you need to make because they're wise and you're resisting it? Maybe you know it in your heart. Maybe other people have spoken the wisdom into you. We need to accept godly wisdom. And as we seek God and prayer in God's word, as we rely on the strength of others in Christian community and grow in godly wisdom, God will lead us in a path of victory. Amen? Amen. Let's have a word of prayer. Gracious and mighty God, you are holy and full of love. Dear Lord, please help us to understand how overwhelming and abundant and amazing the grace that you pour out upon us in the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that because of Jesus, we are forgiven. We are yours, and we can rest that we are your children. And we pray, O oh God, that in response to that grace, through the Holy Spirit working in our lives, you might give us greater victory over sinful desires that battle against our soul. This is our prayer, O oh God. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.